welcome to the New Life Fellowship podcast. New Life Fellowship is a community of grace in Kitchener, Ontario, Canada. Our goal is to teach and share and experience the life of Jesus Christ together. You're about to listen to a message from one of our meetings. Please make sure to check out our website, newlifekw.ca. Without further ado, let's listen in. Well, good morning. Uh, glad you're here. We got a, a special guest this morning that I'm going to chat with. Uh, his name's Jeremy Dorton, and uh, we're going to be having a great conversation about evangelism and, and what that means and what that can look like. And so, let me uh, let me welcome you, Jeremy. Welcome to to our our studio here at yeah. New Life Fellowship. And uh, thank you. We're we're excited to have you here. Tell us tell us a little about your ministry, E3 Canada. Sure. Yeah, so uh, 10, 11 years ago, I was pastoring a church out in Western Canada, and a whole bunch of things happened in our lives, and uh, we met a 74-year-old farmer turned inventor who had been wintering in Florida, and he heard about this ministry called E3, and, and he kept hearing story after story after story, and eventually he sat down with the mission pastor and said, these numbers are not for today. Like, come on, Really? And, and he started to hear the story of E3, and, and this farmer said, well, if this is true, if God is doing that kind of work in this day and age, we've got to bring it to Canada. He started praying, and God put us on a bit of a collision course. My wife was sick and ill at the time, and we took a leap of faith and said, well, let's partner together and launch this thing. So we launched E3 Canada, and so it stands for Equip, Evangelize, and Establish, E3. So we spend a ton of time with people within uh, the church and in the community, and we equip and train them with simple tools on how to share their faith mm -hmm. and do that task of evangelism, but not just proclaiming out there, but then gathering people together and helping establish the church. And so uh, E3 has a, a strong presence in Canada um, and in 50 long-term strategies in 50 countries all around the world. So... Uh, so, of course, I live here in Canada, I, I live out my ministry in my backyard, but then I also lead E3 Philippines and all of the work that's happening in that part of Asia. And uh, so that's, that's what the ministry uh, is primarily focused on here. But then we started uh, a viral video series, mm -hmm. IamSecond.com. So you would have seen one of those videos this morning. Right. And uh, that was a neat story. One of our donors in the States as there's E3 partners in the United States, he came to our team and said, John chapter 12, I think it's 12 verse 32, if I be lifted up on the cross, uh, I will draw all men unto myself. And he said, well, how can we lift up Christ? Obviously not re-crucifying Jesus, but how can we lift up Jesus and make him famous in our society? Would he in fact do it again and draw people to himself? And so creative team, we all started getting together. People uh, created this idea. Somebody hand-scrolled this idea. I am second. I'm no longer number one. Yeah. Christ is first. I'm second. I place others above myself. And they thought, let's do some raw, gritty stories, yeah. testimonies. Well, this thing lit up the internet. And uh, right now, especially during COVID, we're tracking almost 40 million views a year yeah. on these videos. And then those videos open up conversations and it's back to E3, then we can do mm -hmm. evangelism, we can gather people, 
Yeah. So that's a bit of our ministry. <laughs> yeah. And there's, there's so many great videos out there, you know, with mm -hmm. interviewing like athletes like Clayton Kershaw the, out there and actors yeah. and pastors and, and other people. And so it, it's such a great uh, device really to, like you said, share people's stories yeah. and their testimonies. Yeah. And, well, and, and you'll find if, if you go to the site, imsecond.com and watch some of the videos, they're intentionally raw and gritty. Mm -hmm. um, uh, they're, well, they're certainly appropriate for church. There's nothing inappropriate in them, but they're edgy. Yeah. And they're intentionally raw and edgy because it's <clears throat> that person's life story. This is the junk I went through. And then this is what happened. Somebody introduced me to faith. And wow, now it's it's all different. Yeah. And so uh, many people will find those stories very relatable. And uh, well, hey, we're talking evangelism. We'll get there. But those videos can be an awesome precursor to you having a discussion with somebody. Absolutely. Show a video and then say, hey, let me take you out for coffee or connect with you later. Yeah. So it's a great tool. And a great way to share on social media as well. Yeah. And, and just you know let people know what you're about. Yeah. So, so evangelism, I mean, when, when did you begin to recognize that desire to evangelize, you know, more so than just the average Christian, sure. right? So when did you begin to recognize that? <laughs> sure. I'll share a bit of my story. Okay. So I was raised my whole life. I was a part of the faith in church, but I was a part of a, a really, uh, kind of legalistic system of church. I was in a, a very heavy ethnic, uh, Dutch reform kind of background of a church. Mm -hmm. Okay, and so that was good. It gave me a foundation for my faith and good, solid uh, Christian education, stuff like that. Uh, but then my sisters started attending a youth group that was evangelical. And I distinctly remember the day my uh, middle of my three sisters came home and she had tears streaming down her face. And she was filled with this inexpressible joy that she had accepted Jesus into her life. And my mom was really upset at that point. She said, is this a cult? Like, what is this? Like, you're predestined unto salvation and you don't choose Jesus. And, <laughs> and so we had some things to work through in our theology, okay? But we just started seeing all sorts of life springing up in, in the kids, in my, my older sisters. My parents took note of this. And so eventually there was, there was a shift, and that was a big shift. That was a cultural church we were a part of. Yeah. And we ended up coming to... Uh, well, appropriately, have this new life coming up in us. And mm -hmm. man, I remember being baptized the same day as my mom. I was baptized by immersion. My mom by a bucket on the stage because <laughs> of a disability. Sure. She couldn't get in the tank. Yeah. And so that was permitted and that was yeah. cool. And I just started absorbing everything I could find about Jesus. My mom uh, led us through some precept ministries. And, mm -hmm. and uh, let me tell you, our, our home was not wonderful. It was really conflicted and just a lot of pain and a lot of tension between my mother's mental health, her struggle with MS, uh, my dad and how he approached and responded to that. It was a painful home, yeah. but my mom sowed some seeds and I started to, it started to bear a lot of fruit in me. And I just, wow, I got so excited that one day I heard about this ministry that does uh, fine arts. And I love music and drama and all of that kind of stuff. I'm a dramatic person. You'll see me using my hands. And, <laughs> and when I sing, I tend to be very expressive. And, uh, and I put in an application and I went with that ministry and they sent me at 17. I wasn't even finished high school. And I left for a year to Mali, West Africa. So I wanted everything to do with Jesus. And then I showed up there and I'm like, oh my goodness. Nobody in this place knows Jesus. Many have never even heard his name. 98% Muslim society. 
we went into villages that had never seen a Caucasian person. And uh, they had told the kids this fable that if you were bad, the white ape is going to come out of the forest and eat you. And I'd be there like, hi. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and so uh, anyway, the Lord did so much in me. Uh, I it, it shaped my worldview in that time. I came home and I'm like, everyone needs to know this Jesus. He took me, he transformed me, even though I was rooted in the church originally. He's brought so much life to me. I just started kind of doing it, just telling people. Yeah. Uh, I remember pulling up in a parking lot, uh, like this roadside little picnic spot, and have some of my non-saved friends. I'm like, you just got to hear this Brownsville revival music. And I put it in my cassette in my, uh, in my car, and we'd worship in the side of the road. It wasn't like I was trying. It was just coming out of me. So that's where I kind of got onto this journey. And uh, Romans 1.16 uh, just hit me as a teenager. That was the root of the whole scriptures for me. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Yeah. It's the power of God yeah. for salvation for all who would believe. For, yeah. First for the Jew and then for the Gentile, it says. Yeah. And that just, wow, it's not even about me anyway. It's the power of God mm-hmm. on display as we go. And so that's what got me fired up as a teenager and it's kind of stayed throughout my life. So yeah, okay. that's my journey. <laughs> Kids, if you're wondering what a cassette tape is, ask your parents. So, but uh, <clears throat> that's, uh, so that, that passion is, is there and, and you just saw the need. You, you, yeah. you, you saw this giant need for people to hear, hear the gospel and, and just as many people across the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's this little thing going on called COVID. I don't yeah. know if you've heard of it, <laughs> but uh, what what has COVID done to you guys? Because you you're always on the road, you're always yeah. traveling and flying from this place to that place, yeah. and COVID comes and suddenly now you're grounded. So what has that yeah. done for you guys as a, as a team? Great, great question. And yeah, this is so fun to be here with you and with New Life because uh, this last year a lot has just been in the home office, and this is kind of like coming out from under the rock and sharing with friends, which I hope to meet in person one day. But COVID, wow, fascinating, fascinating what God is doing, okay? Certainly, COVID is messy for a lot of people, but there are some incredible things happening world over as a result of the pain, as a result of the awkwardness, as a result of the restrictions. So often, when the church has been persecuted, Right, it's like having a, a a campfire, and there's all those hot coals, and then somebody says, "I'm going to put that out," and they kick the fire, and suddenly hot coals go everywhere, and they start new grass fires, mm-hmm. and that's actually what we're seeing in COVID right now in Canada and around the world. The other day, um, I woke up and I thought, "Wow, this is a mistake," or "What's going on?" There were 65 messages in, on one single thread from Philippines, where I serve. And uh, I opened it up and it was page after page after page of pictures of baptisms happening. And then it got to this one statement where our friend Pastor Jill, our director in in Philippines says, baptisms happened in every single region in the Philippines today. That's never happened before. (laughs) So here's the funny thing. I was the guy taking short-term teams from Canada to try to start a fire in the Philippines. Mm -hmm. And that's what we were doing. And and we kept investing and sharing small little simple tools on how to share the gospel, encouraging our partners there, training as many people as would listen. And uh, we find that generally when we train people with simple tools, maybe 10% will take it and run 
and actually live that out. It'll yeah. catch their heart and they'll give it a try and they'll kind of become addicted to sharing, okay? Well, those percentages are way up right now, particularly in Philippines. And so I can't take short-term teams anymore. The thing that we thought would start the fire, well, I guess the teams did their job. We left mm -hmm. enough there to give them a base and they're running with it. And daily we're getting reports. Mm -hmm. Okay, but what about locally? Normally we would say this, okay? Look for natural gathering places. <laughs> Okay, that yeah. was a bit of a principle. That, that's what the bylaw officers do now. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, so we would look for places where people gather or we'd create events that would draw people and then in there we would somehow infuse some relational evangelism or some message proclamation, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. We can't do anything to do with natural gathering places anymore with yeah. one exception, the homeless. They're still gathered, Okay. right? So our teams... Uh, we have we have teams. When I say teams, by the way, anybody at New Life, any church can get involved in those teams. Mm -hmm. uh, almost every day of the week, we have street teams going out in Kitchener, in Galt, out in Guelph. Um, on Tuesday nights, we have a team now of about 26 people who are going to the downtown core of Hamilton. And at any time, uh, somebody wants to just shadow, just, I just want to see what goes down on these streets, yeah. you're more than welcome. Okay, and so a lot is happening there. Um, online presence is up during COVID. Our, our views uh, on YouTube and imsecond.com I'm mm -hmm. are through the roof. Um, another interesting thing is you can consider, make your own I Am Second-ish inspired by I Am Second video testimony. Mm -hmm. So just last week, uh, actually, if, if you become my friend on Facebook, probably this week I'm gonna post, I did my first ever I Am Second-ish video where I shot a video in a chair in a simple studio like this. And uh, here's my three-minute testimony. This is a little bit about my life, and I'm just going to put it out there. Because on social medias, yeah. you have all sorts of friends and family that don't yet know Jesus. You don't have to preach at them in your story. You just tell them, this is my story. This is a bit of, if it's appropriate, this is what I went through. This is how I encountered faith, and this is the difference it's made in my life. And you'll be amazed. A lot of people are starting to respond just to the online things that we're posting these days. So, yeah. So there's been all sorts of interesting things. We're getting creative. We're uh, it's it's not out there in the public yet, but we uh, we believe the Lord's called us to purchase or have someone donate an RV to our ministry and take the ministry mobile. If we can't fly to these other nations, we'll we'll follow the restrictions that are yeah. laid down for us. But if we can get mobile and visit other cities and start new fires, you know, kick those coals. Yeah. We want to do it. So, it's been interesting for us. <laughs> so, what what do you what have you found then to be the the common roadblocks or um misconceptions around evangelism that because I think sure. a lot of people they hear evangelism and inside something in them begins to just get a little bit they shrivel up like a turtle. Yeah. They're a little scared. Yeah. And I know I did for a, for a long time. And so yeah. kind of speak to us in a little bit about about some of those misconceptions. Sure. Well, <laughs> let me tell you, every time I go to the streets with our E3 team, I still have that same heartbeat that's going, oh, wow, what am I doing out here? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so even though I, you know, percentage-wise might do this a little bit more than the average person, I still have to work through those thoughts and those fears, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, Ephesians chapter 4, pretty common passage. I've got it out here. 
It was he who gave some to be uh, apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers to equip people for works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up. Okay, so one common misconception is evangelism is for the chosen few, for the evangelist, apostles, prophets, evangelists, that's for them. Yeah. Okay, and then people take it some step further and say, oh, okay, well, some are gifted in that, but we're all called to it. Well, the reality is it's even simpler than that. Evangelism should just become a part of who we are. It becomes... Uh, the Great Commission, right? Matthew 28, it says, therefore, go and make disciples. And if you rip into that a little bit, it's therefore in your going, yeah. make disciples. So how can you make disciples at Walmart? Well, let me tell you, uh, just what, two, three weeks ago, uh, Curtis and Sylvia, members of our E3 family, they decided we're going we're gonna to specifically look for ways to pray and minister to people during lockdown in Walmart. <laughs> so they went into Walmart, uh, they brought their mask. So there you go. Hope is contagious. So the virus is contagious, but hope is contagious as well. So we made these masks to start a conversation and they went to Walmart and they just approached people. Hey, six feet apart. Just, Hey, we're just at Walmart. We've got some shopping to do, but I just wanted to offer prayer. Is there anything that you have a need? Do you, can we pray for something for you or a family member? Mm -hmm. you, would, you would be amazed how many people respond to that. They're ready to receive prayer. So a big common misconception is it's only for some chosen few who do evangelism. And the second misconception is that people don't want to hear. But that's dead wrong. People want to hear. Uh, one of our friends in E3, Guy McGuffin, he's a, he's a retired gentleman from our church, and he's just a street warrior. Every day of his retirement, he's out somewhere trying to touch lives somewhere. Totally not what he did his entire career. Uh, this is all new stuff growing in him. And he said uh, he met eight young people who, who just got this burden to do evangelism out in Woodstock. And these kids, they, they found out about E3. They're young people, I don't know, 18, 20 years old. And they called up some of our E3 family and said, could you train us? Help us out. We just don't know where to start. And so E3 guys went out. A few others joined. They had 15 to 20 people. And they literally went knocking on doors. Just, hey, we're in the area. And uh, we just wanted to offer prayer. If you have any needs, physical needs, or anything going on in your family that we can pray for. And they said, you'd be blown away how many people opened the door and said yes. It was a predominantly Muslim and Sikh area where people had moved in. You know, immigrant populations tend mm -hmm. to gather together in areas. Yep. And they had so much openness. At the end, they had 12 families. In one afternoon, 12 families that said, we would like you to come back for another follow-up visit. We want to learn more. Mm -hmm. And uh, one great quote, the one lady actually said, if it weren't for COVID... I'd invite you in, but uh, thank you for this <laughs> Jesus blessing. <laughs> like, <laughs> so that's really cool. Yeah. And then, hey, and the third thing is debate. Christians, uh, believers, you're afraid. Many of us are afraid that people uh, want to debate us and we just feel like we don't have the answers. Mm -hmm. Well, hey, you can't argue anyone into heaven. Yeah. It just doesn't work. And, and look, the reality is, even if somebody is a little heady and intellectual, ultimately, they're more concerned really about their heart, their heart. They've got heart issues. And when you offer prayer or offer a simple testimony or give a 30 second story of your life change, it cuts from the head to the heart. Yeah. 
and then it's not so hard to have conversations. So those are some thoughts. Yeah, it's hard to argue a testimony, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, and uh, and I think that's where maybe the the positive thing of COVID, the crisis that it's brought, has created an opportunity for people to be more receptive to Jesus. Yeah, right. That yeah. His light shines up best in darkness. Yeah, and as we're all going through this difficult time, it might make people you know that much more ready or willing to hear. Yeah, from God. Yeah, sure. From like a missionary missiology study point of view, um, the greatest moments of receptivity in a person's life to the gospel tend to be major transitions or crises. That's right. Right. So uh, a birth or a death or uh, moving across the country or immigrating to another place, and there's an openness where they're like, "Wow, there's this void that's always been there, but now it's exposed." Yep. And uh, when we just show up, you know. It's not always about preaching. It's just being a follower of Jesus and loving on people. It's it's like the guy at the local gas station. I won't share his name. He's a he's a, a Sikh background individual, and I was going after him relationally. Every time I'd pump fuel, I'd stop and try to just have conversation. I'd buy my seeds, spits. I love spits, you know. I'd buy them just so that I could talk to this guy. Little did I know, my wife was doing the same. And with the same person. And then one day, my uh, uh, our church does this big Christmas thing where it's all music and come on in and just see it. And my wife invited this guy and, and his response was so beautiful. He just says, wow, I've been in Canada three years and I've always wanted to, to be inside a Christian temple, but I just never met any Christians yet. Um, and we're no kidding. Well, come on in. And these guys came in. Uh, we had four guys come in, a couple wearing turbans, some without. Mm -hmm. And regardless of tra uh, uh, their tradition, they came into our temple yeah. and they had a great time. And then they reciprocated and said, why don't you come to our temple? That was awesome. It was so fascinating to go to the Sikh temple out past the hydro cut here in Kitchener-Waterloo yeah. and uh, sit you know, cross-legged and eat food together with them. Oh, it was wonderful. And we've been invited into their home. Uh, they recently had a baby. We were the first people to come in during COVID with masks and meet their baby. It's amazing. It's just because we befriended the gas bar guy. Like, That's right. <laughs> yeah. So, so that I think. Tell me about you know this this lingo or or language I hear among people talking about evangelism, and they compare about uh, oikos versus street mm. or stranger. Sure. And, and I think that kind of leads into that idea. So explain a little bit about what is oikos. Okay. Other than a yogurt. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so a little teaching moment. Okay. So uh, New Life friends, if you want to look at this, uh, flip in your Bibles to Acts chapter 16. Okay. Acts chapter 16. And you're going to see the story of Paul and Silas. Now these guys were going about and they were sharing their faith and they were uh, beaten for sharing their faith. Now, you're probably not going to get beaten for sharing your faith here, so don't get too discouraged too quickly, okay? But these guys, because of the boldness of their faith in the culture that they were in, if I bold, uh, bold face share my faith in parts of India where I've served, you'll be run out of town with clubs and sticks. And I've had that happen. We pushed a little too hard, a little too fast. You have to know who you're talking to, okay? But nonetheless... These guys, they're thrown in prison, they're beaten, they're bloodied, and what are they doing? They're just being themselves. They're like, Jesus, we worship you, you know? And they're singing hymns and praises to God. And who's listening in? 
the other other prisoners, the jailers out front, they're listening in. And then eventually this earthquake happens, the building shakes, things happen, the walls come down. Jailer thinks the guys are gone and now he's going to commit suicide. And then Paul says, hey, don't harm yourself. We're still here. We didn't go anywhere. And then the jailer asks the most interesting question. He says, then, how must I be saved? Saved from what? Saved from the Roman rule? No, like... They heard enough from the testimony just by seeing these guys' integrity with blood and chains and everything else. He knew that they had something. He says, how can I get saved? And this is what they say, verse 31. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. So, oikos, verses 3. What's this mean? You and your household. Household is this Greek word oikos, yogurt. No, kidding. (laughs) Oikos, okay? It's household. Sometimes the Greek word has better meaning, and we need two or three words to kind of describe the value of that one word in Greek. So when we hear household, we think of, you know, mom, dad, and a couple of kids. But household is a little bit beyond that. It's, it's your house, your immediate family, it's your friends, it's, it's your neighbors, it's your co-workers. The reality is everybody that God has put you, Pastor Ross, in relationship with, you have a connection with them, I may never meet them. They're your household. They're your sphere of influence, if you want to call it that. Okay? So does it automatically mean that the day that you got saved, your kids are automatically saved? You and your household will be saved. Well, no, of course not. But what it means is that God saving you, planting that new life in you, through you reaching those family, friends, neighbors in your sphere of influence, they might get saved through your witness, right? By who you are and by the things you say and do. So there's there's a couple of models here, okay? Do I just primarily try to reach my household, those people, in my sphere of influence, my family, my friends, my auntie and uncle who don't know Jesus, or do I go and hit the streets? Okay? And some people say, don't ask me to hit the streets. That scares the life out of me. Mm-hmm. And other people say, don't ask me to talk to my family. That scares the life out of me because they know me too well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so here's the deal. This is how we often approach it. We're in the streets all the time. But Jesus was really clear that the primary mission field is our oikos. It's our household first. In fact, oikos appears in the New Testament over 120 times. That's the primary mission field. God gave you water cooler friends that you see at work when there used to be water coolers and people (laughs) gathered. (laughs) Those guys and those gals, they're in your oikos. They're in your family, that household. However, many of us need to hit the streets to learn how to just do this. So when we go to the streets, I'm always looking at other brothers who are around me, Greg and Brody and others in our ministry, who are stronger at this stuff than me. I take the second position when I hit the streets. I'm always watching these guys. Then I see something happen. I see somebody respond or somebody get healed after prayer, which happens sometimes, Mm -hmm. and my faith rises up, and then maybe I will jump in next time and give a little word or a little testimony or something. And so the value of going to the streets, it gives you a safe place in a team context to get some repetitions, and you might end up making some friends in the street who become a part of your oikos, your household. Mm -hmm. And then you start a relationship with them. 
right? So there's some real benefits to being out in the streets. Um, sometimes you might meet another pre-existing believer. You meet another Christian, and they just haven't been activated in doing this stuff either in their faith. And so you encourage them, hey, come with us. And that happens. Like, it sounds like two pie in the sky. Does this really happen? And literally, it is happening every single day of the week in Kitchener and Waterloo in this region, all across Canada. So yeah. do you think we're, we're psyching ourselves out too much, overthinking it? Yeah. And, and needing to, to simplify it then? So how would you how would you start a conversation with a family member, someone from your oikos, sure, um, to to just kind of open that door and and test the receptivity that we have? Yeah, yeah, sure. Well, it's, it it all comes down to like what I said about knowing the person that you're with. So, um, for example, if you've got a friend who loves hockey, you might you might grab an I am second video. Uh, watch the Mike Fisher video mm -hmm. and uh, send it to your friend or your family member or whoever that is in your sphere of influence. Mm -hmm. The very first thing you do, though, by the way, is pray. <laughs> okay, so we actually encourage people in our training times, write down people in your family, your friends or people, places and passions is somehow sometimes how we describe it. Mm -hmm. Actually write down names of people that you know that are not followers of Jesus that you are connected to somehow. Okay, so New Life Family, that's your homework today. Go home, write down, wait, you're already at home. <laughs> Head to the kitchen table, write down the names of people who are in your sphere of influence that don't know Jesus. That becomes your household or your oikos map. Mm -hmm. All right, and start praying regularly over those names, okay? Trusting that Jesus is going to help you cross one off the list, check mark, they've come to faith down the road. So start with that. Okay, because root it in prayer, that's going to be the foundation. And then uh, get to know your person. Okay, this person likes hockey. Maybe you send the Mike Fisher video from imsecond.com. Mm -hmm. And then they go, wow, Mike went through all that. I had no clue. Yeah. And then you just got to figure out what are they going to be comfortable with? Is, is it invite them over and kick it back in the backyard, have a hot tub conversation? Is it take them out for coffee? Um, who knows? It could be all sorts of different things. But generally, when we go out in the streets, in that context, we start with offering prayer. And again, you'd think that would be off-putting, and it is to some people, but we just come up and we just say, hey, uh, we're from the local church, or you say whatever you like. You know, we're just out in the community, and we know people are having a hard time, mm -hmm. and we're just offering prayer because we believe God answers prayer. Is there anything I could pray for for you or a family member? And often people will say, yeah, no, I'm good. Well, then change the question because that's a yes or no. Can I pray for you? Yes or no, right? Mm -hmm. Well, ask a question that demands a response. So change it up. We call this the miracle question. If you needed a miracle in your life for you or a family member, what would it be? Mm -hmm. Now they have to make a choice. Do I answer this guy or not? <laughs> and then often their mind shifts off of themselves even to somebody in their family who's got an illness or something. Yeah, my grandmother's been suffering lately. Could you pray for her? And then you surprise them and just pray right there. Be natural. If it feels normal and reasonable, you've got a good rapport, stick a hand on their shoulder. Well, COVID, maybe not so much now, but if they're in your oikos, they're in your bubble, go for it, you know? Love on them. Pray for them right there. Now, again, you shift to their heart. Huh, interesting. And so then, uh, then we, we, I'd love to train your, your church sometime and how to simply articulate the gospel in a couple of minutes' time. Like, we, if, if somebody opens the door enough, 
to want to hear the gospel, we can share the gospel with them, draw it out on a piece of paper in under three minutes is what we generally say. You want to hear a story of hope? Let me show you this and we'll share it with them. It's really not all that hard. So we play, we played that video, the three circles, oh, good. a number of times Yeah, um, uh, for that reason, just to help remind us of the gospel, but also give a real simple way as to how do I share the gospel with other people. And you're right, it, it, right it's not very hard and it, and it is easy to learn. Yeah. Um, we got a question though from from the uh, the crowd here. They asked, um, how how do you guys then connect these new people to a church to so that it's not just sort of you know introduce them to Jesus and then mm. they're gone. You never see them again. Yeah. So how do you connect them then with a local church? Sure. It's sort of a both and kind of situation. Okay. Now this is where I can tread on thin ice in in the church. Now this is interesting though. Okay. <laughs> we like controversy, so go. For okay. It. Good. 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 A year ago, or a year and a half ago, when I would talk about this piece, I would it would be contentious sometimes for existing what we call legacy churches yeah. or brick-and-mortar church, because one of the first things that we don't do is invite them to church. Excuse me, not a heretic, okay? What we invite them into is a relationship. So if we get together, if I make myself available, so I meet you on the street, you open up the door to prayer, you open up the door to gospel, you want more, I'm not going to invite them to New Life or to Koinonia or Creekside or other churches in the community. I'm going to invite them to get together with other believers and we do what we're calling a discovery-based Bible study. Okay, It's not pastor-teacher driven. It's discovery driven. Here's some stories in scripture and we follow specific story sets and we start with repent and believe and see some biblical model and ask some observational questions. And that suddenly it elevates or levels the playing field. That person says, I'm just discovering Jesus. You've been a believer for 10 years. Wait a second, you're a Buddhist? <laughs> you can be in these groups too? Yeah, of course. What does this scripture say to you? And then we discover together and point them to key pieces of theology without saying, here's our theology, sure. right? Second lesson in, be baptized. And you see the biblical model for repentance and baptism being really closely tied. It's not necessarily the wait five years till you feel ready, okay? Mm -hmm. So we invite people into these, uh, um, these Bible studies, um, which eventually can become their churches. And in fact, now here's the thing that, again, it gets a little contentious. All around the world, those smaller gatherings of 8 to 20 people meeting in a home, mm -hmm. it's much more scalable. It's, it's zero-budget church planting. Mm -hmm. it, and very often when we put a building on it, let's meet, let's get bigger, let's gather bigger, that it's not bad. Mm -hmm. right? It, it appeals back to Ephesians 4, the apostles, prophets, evangelists. That's the shepherd-teacher model, gathering together to care for those sheep. But very often, it actually stops the movement. So many times, people, once they start gathering in the building, then they stop proclaiming because their needs are being met here. So there's this holy tension that I think that we can wrestle with and say, okay, I'm a part of this, and that's what I do. I'm a part of uh, of a big traditional or legacy church, and I get so much value there. But I'm also going out, I'm sharing, and we're gathering people in small groups all over the place. You can plant those in Tim Hortons if you are allowed. If you're allowed in. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think that's, you know, the church is not a building. It's yeah. not a temple, yeah. right? The church is the body of Christ. Yeah. And so when you, gra when you gather together, you you've invited them to the church because you're inviting them to experience that assembly as a group of people. Yeah. And, and you're right, I do think that 
it's not one or the other. It's not has to be house church or has to be, you know, what you call no. the, the brick and mortar churches. But you're right. There is that danger of it becoming stagnant yeah. in both groups. Yeah. Right. Where you just you find your group of people and you don't want to grow anymore. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. that's why we're having this conversation is to constantly yeah. be reminded of the significance and the importance of evangelism. So, mm -hmm. so you know, take a few moments now and, and just speak yeah. to that point, the importance sure. of it. Well, here's what I'm thinking, too. I've got some friends. <laughs> I don't I'm not saying it's bad or wrong. I don't have tattoos all over my body, but I've got some friends and I don't know why they've adopted me. They jokingly call me Pastor Pete. I just don't know why. Uh, they allowed me into their life, and that friend will never fit in my traditional church. Yeah, It just wouldn't work. They would feel uncomfortable. They would stand out, et cetera, et cetera. Let's call it what it is. Yeah. Can I gather with that person, with a few other individuals who are like-minded or look or feel the same or respond differently, use edgy words? I can do that in a smaller environment, okay? Mm -hmm. um, sometimes you might find inroads in ethnes. Like I've referenced the Punjabi fellow at the gas station. I just, I don't know why I have such a heart for the Sikh people. I want to see them come to Jesus. Mm -hmm. All right. So what if I start gathering some Sikh people? They have different traditions and they take off their shoes when they come into the temple, et cetera, you know, and maybe we do that and have a, a smaller gathering there so they can relate and have language lines and such. Anyway, but sometimes you'll find this, like, look, Pastor Ross, some, sometimes the pastors get a little nervous about this. Wait, this is being out in the homes. Um, the reality is some people might be in that house-based church or house-based Bible study for a time and say, is there something more? Is there more community? Is there a broader context? What is this? Yeah, come meet our friends over at New Life. Mm -hmm. And so um, you might end up with some arms and some pockets all over the region expressions of new life meeting in homes and they connect with the larger church so yeah. so yeah it's it's something to wrestle through and figure out what's my role but because there's one big church yeah yeah right, that we're all part of. yeah but ultimately this comes down to okay lord <laughs> what am i willing to risk for you ultimately it comes down to this take every thought captive so when i'm out in the streets uh, i'm out shopping or whatever i have an opportunity Am I going to remain focused on just shopping or am I going to say, okay, Lord, I'm taking a leap of faith. I'm going to offer prayer even for one person. It's not out of guilt or anything. It's out of an overflow of, I have this small opportunity during this lockdown to sow one little seed. Am I going to do it today or no? And the more you start to say yes, the more it becomes a part of who you are, mm -hmm. right? Second Corinthians chapter five, mm -hmm. right? Uh, therefore, we are Christ's ambassadors. If anyone is in Christ, the old is gone, the new has come. You've become an ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ. Ask yourself at home, do I feel like I'm an ambassador? Well, go back. Am I in Christ? Mm -hmm. Yes. If, if you're saying, yeah, on your couch, I'm in Christ, then you are an ambassador. Don't be afraid. Don't worry about what the person's going to say. What's the worst that can happen? It's like a stoplight. Red lights, those are the people who just say, no, I'm not interested. Have a good day. And you bless them and you walk away. No big deal. Yep. Yellow lights are people who are open. They're going to have a conversation with you. That's what you wanted anyway. And then go back and follow up later. And then green lights, you're going to encounter people right here who will come to faith in Christ. Mm -hmm. They will come into your home or whatever to have some more connection with you or you bring them back to new life. What do you have to lose? Yeah. Really? <laughs> so you don't need to have a degree in ambassadorship, is what no, you're saying. No, 
You no. don't have to have you know a long training <laughs> program or anything like that. No. That our our qualifications are is Jesus. Yeah. And being in him and him and us. Yeah. And then taking that risk of trusting him to be a part of something special. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen. Right? Like here, here's a here's a real life practical example. Um, my wife's family, some some tragic things went down. There was a separation of uh, you know relationships for years, and then they started inviting us to come out to Christmas Eve. That was a little challenging because of hurt relationships years ago. Once a year, we see this side of the family. We get together. We have Christmas Christmas Eve. Spend an hour or two together, and we go home. And then one day we get a phone call from my wife's cousin and she just says, there's something different and we want it. <laughs> Can we get together and talk? And it was so, wow, okay, cool. This was during COVID times. We got together in the backyard, sat, sat across from each other at the tables and we could just tell, like they weren't using the church language yet and that was fine, but we could tell Holy Spirit has been drawing this couple for a long while. And somehow we planted seeds. We didn't even say a thing about faith. It was just because there was something coming out of us, right? Yeah. And uh, we had conversation. I shared the three circles and I said, well, why don't you just go home and think on this tonight and ask yourself, where do you fit in this? And my wife goes one step further and she says, no, you can, I think you're there. Make a decision. Are you stuck in the brokenness or do you want to receive Christ and start your journey today? And they're like, oh, yeah, we're ready. <laughs> and the guy who does this all the time was like, really? <laughs> You're ready? <laughs> this is great. And they accepted Christ in our backyard. And then exactly like we said, we started doing some discipleship with them, doing some Bible studies, discovering together. And then we had to shift it online and then uh, because of some work things, it's not happening right now, but we're going to start again in May. It's not a perfect system, yeah. but this, this couple, are they ever growing in their faith? It is awesome. Mm -hmm. And now we've, we've gone through some personal struggles mm -hmm. in the last couple of months, and that young couple has been ministering to us. Okay. It's, it's amazing. That's, that, yeah. that's the beauty of relationships, right? It, they're yeah. messy, but they're more powerful, mm -hmm. and, and there's more opportunities. But you're right, they don't lend themselves to perfect robotic systems no. and clean and so forth. No. Um, but we got a question. Um, uh, Cheryl's asking this question. Uh, she asks, how do you reach a family member who say they're a Christian, maybe grown up that way, but but aren't really, haven't really accepted Christ? So, mm. so Norm, this is really for you, I think. That's Cheryl's husband, just okay. kidding. But um, <laughs> but what would you what would you say to someone that, yeah, it's someone who's who might use that Christian identity, sure, but isn't doesn't know Jesus. How would you approach that conversation? Yeah. Yeah. Again, this is totally a God story. Um, I'll share a story right from my own life. Um, my own cousin. Okay. Like we grew up in that real strict reform background. And um, for us, I, again, I'm not negating that. That was, that was great. And people can, they can get the foundation of their faith there. But I, I didn't have a relationship with Jesus in that context. I was a part of faith, religion, right? Yeah. Um, Anyway, one of my cousins about three years ago contacted us and we're not like, I didn't really grow up with my cousins. And so this was rare. And they said, why don't you come down to our place and let's have a conversation. And something had already been stirring in them as well. Mm -hmm. And um, they asked the most peculiar question. It was like, just like Acts 16. And they said, what does it mean to be saved? Like we hear some other Christians talk about this getting saved or being saved thing. 
Like, what is that? How, how do we do that? And so there was already a drawing there. And so again, it was, they were seeing something in, in us. Friends at New Life, the people around you are, you are Paul and Silas. You are hopefully singing the hymns and praises of God, despite what you're going through. People in your own family are already seeing. And then when you look for that opportunity to have conversation, and this is, this is what I say, like, be proactive in that. Like if you just hope that your cousin or your uncle or your brother is going to somehow ask the magical question, hey, how do I get saved? They're probably not going to do so. Yeah. Um, but there's that balance and discernment of, I don't want to be overbearing to that family member and be that one who's constantly harping on them. So start with love, love, love. Pour into them. Serve them. Show up at their house, rip apart their deck, care for them. You if, know, if they ask you to rip apart their deck, yeah, right? yeah. If they, okay, yeah. if they ask for some help, give it. Like, yeah. be unashamedly a blessing to them. So then they look and say, hopefully one day they'll ask a question. And if they're not going to ask the question, then you look for creative ways. Send them a video. Put something up that teases that. Or then get bold. Ask them out for coffee. Say, hey. I've just been thinking about things. The faith has really made a huge difference in my life. Where are you at? Yeah. And see if you can get to gospel. Share the three circles. Yeah. Like again. So you can ask that bold question because you've put in the time to to develop that relationship and that trust. Yeah. But they don't feel you're you're they're getting preached at. Yeah, exactly. Right? Because I'd imagine preaching at people is probably the least effective form of evangelism. Yep. Absolutely. Right? No one wants to be preached at. Yeah. Um, but they want to be loved. Yeah, and there are there are some cultures where it's more acceptable. Like Philippines, they love the song and dance, man. If we show up with guitars and music and and stuff that typically we don't do at E3, put on a show. <laughs> but in Philippines, they love that. And then you can they'll be a captive audience for three hours. You can preach at them. Not so much here in North America. Did you hear that, so. New Life? Three-hour sermons. They're coming. <laughs> They're coming. That's the takeaway. Yeah. But here in North America, it's so much more. You gotta have like relational equity in the bucket. Yeah. Right? If you haven't poured into somebody, why would they open their hearts to receive from you? Right? You've got to prepare that soil. Okay, so here's here's a teaching moment. One of our core teachings is Mark chapter 4, 26 to 29. Read through that, and, and you're gonna say, well, wait, this is all about farming. And it talks about a farmer, he, he prepares the soil, he cultivates, he drops some seed, the seed sprouts, then it grows, and eventually the harvest comes. And everything in our life at E3 is mapped into those four fields. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, all right, so field one, it's preparing the garden. I made a little veggie garden behind my swimming pool last week. I had to dig out junk, I had to find some pallets because I'm Dutch and I don't want to spend money on wood that cost a fortune today. And I made this pallet woods and I went up to the dump and I got compost, so it's all free. It's good. I had to prepare that soil and then eventually I'm going to plant some seed when it's warm enough to do so. Mm -hmm. So as in the physical, so also in the spiritual. So many times things are happening in the physical, you're investing in a person, something's shifting in the spiritual. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you got to balance some of those things. So then eventually that seed bears some, some growth and you spend time and invest time with that person and maybe eventually you get a harvest and they come to faith in Christ. Mm -hmm. So, All right, well... We could we could go on, <laughs> but this has been this has been really really good. So Hope it's I, I been helpful. Thank yeah. you for joining us this morning and sharing your heart and your passion. Yeah. Um, what just a final closing? What would you say to people who want to be a part of this and sure. want to join your team or 
or just begin to do this on their own? Yeah. What would yeah. you What would you say? Sure. Um, yeah, we have people going out to the streets all the time, like I mentioned, and you are welcome at any time. Um, shoot me an email, info at e3ministry.ca, and just put up your hand and say, can I shadow you guys one day? And we will set you up. I'll introduce you to some people who are doing this. Um, don't get the idea that you have to be a an E3 staff member to do this. Mm -hmm. um, I have... 21 people on our staff team across Canada. But those are just men and women who said, I'm so fired up about this, I can't keep my day job anymore, and I need the platform of E3 to fundraise and become a missionary. Yeah. Okay. But we've got dozens, I'd, I'd venture to say hundreds of people who uh, identify as being friends of E3, and they hit the streets with us all the time. Yeah. Okay. So if you want to check it out, info at e3ministry.ca. You can go to our website as well, check out some of our tools and training resources. They're all there. Mm -hmm. um, that's just e3ministry.ca. Um, if you want to get into wearing a mask like this and literally wear your hope on your face, hope is contagious, or I'm second merchandise. Um, look, merchandise takes work, so I'm not promoting it for the sake of making any profit. But if you actually wear I am second, people will approach you and say, hey, what's that all about? Why are you second? Yeah. I went to the post office and the lady said, were you recently married? I said, no, why? She <laughs> says, your shirt, I'm second. <laughs> so if you want to get in on that stuff, you can find that at e3ministry.ca. Okay, yeah. excellent. And and for anyone who wants to to support this ministry as well, they can give financially mm -hmm. there as well to, yeah. to allow for more opportunities and, and, yep. and ways to experiment. So, But uh, I just want to kind of in closing just... Uh, again, thank you to Jeremy, but just to encourage you guys, if, if any one of you listening and watching this uh, are, are feeling that passion and feeling that that excitement and that desire to, yeah, I want I want to be sharing my faith with my oikos. I want to share it with my household, with the people at work or, or the, the people that I, I hang around with, um, but you're not sure how, you know, come talk, chat with me. I'd love to chat with you about that and help you, uh, but also you can connect with Jeremy. Really what we want to do is we want to inspire people to be bold about their faith and not be afraid of it because we have we have an answer that this world is hungering for. Uh, it, it's better than a vaccine. It, it's better than money. It's better than a new job. It's better than a, a new marriage. It's a life in Jesus. And, and we want that light. We want that life to shine with as many people as we can. So let me uh, let me close this in prayer and then we'll have one more worship song. Father God, we we thank you for this opportunity we have just to partner with you. Because quite frankly, you could do this whole work of evangelism without us, but you choose to include us so we can be a part of it. We can, in trusting you to do this, we get to know you better, we get to know your heart better, but we also get to watch you work. And so thank you for including us. I, I pray that you continue to bless Jeremy and his team of, of men and women as they go out and they begin just to share the gospel, that you would lead them to those people like Philip and the Ethiopian and, and just mm. people in, in Walmart and in the lineup at Costco and wherever they're at. Just I pray that you would um, embolden them in their faith and, and provide those green lights so that they can share your faith, uh, their, their faith uh, with those people boldly. But also us, Father, as well, that we wouldn't just think about it, it's only for certain people, but we realize that we're all ambassadors. We're all getting to have that opportunity to plead with our loved ones that they can be reconciled to God and experience this new life, this, this incredible life we have. In your name we pray. You've been listening to the New Life Fellowship Podcast. Thanks for joining us. For more great content, please be sure to check out our website, newlifekw.ca, and sign up for our mailing list. 
subscribers will receive our The Life in the Apartment ebook that is sure to encourage and bless. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch the latest services and additional video content. New Life Fellowship is a registered charity that is supported by the giving of partners and friends. All donations will be received. If you would like to donate, donate at newlifekw.ca. Your giving is highly valued and appreciated. You are loved. Take care.